Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Yo, it's Adrian Hernandez. Welcome inside the Sporting Tribune today, recording on a very spooky Friday the 13th. Thank you all so much for joining us. Of course, Believe Sports Network, FUBU Sports, The Bet Las Vegas, ESPN Radio, Southern California, Hawaii Sports Radio Network. And here's the deal. We usually we just go straight into an interview, but I do need to brag, okay? Because no matter what part of the country that you're watching this, I need to make an announcement because I have an agenda and I haven't talked about it a lot since we've gone to not only just on the radio, but on your television screens. And that agenda is, in my opinion, it's not even an agenda. It's just a fact, okay? When it comes to sports in this great country in the USA, Las Vegas is the sports capital of the world. We just got done with a weekend, a week, not even a weekend. We just got done with a week of ESPN broadcasting from this city for five straight days for five different events. Saturday night, UFC fight night. Sunday, game one of the WNBA finals. Monday night football from Allegiant Stadium in one of the ugliest games of the year with the Raiders and Packers, which, by the way, while that was going on, literally across the street at T-Mobile Arena, not even being broadcasted on ESPN, you had the Lakers in town, LeBron Anthony Davis taking on Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets. Then Tuesday, take the basketball court away from T-Mobile Arena. Put the hockey ice back on, and the Golden Knights opened up their season. They raised the banner. They celebrated one last time as Stanley Cup champions, and they opened up the new season. And then we closed it out on Wednesday night with Game 2 of the WNBA Finals. And then speaking of those WNBA Finals, the Aces are up 2-0. Sunday, ABC in Brooklyn at a sold-out Barclays where it's going to be louder for the Liberty than it's going to be for any Brooklyn Nets game. It's a chance for the Aces to sweep and win back-to-back championships, which hasn't happened in the WNBA in like over 20 years when the LA Sparks and Lisa Leslie and all them did it. But if they do that, not only with this week and these events that I just said, but now you got back-to-back to back parades from the aces to the golden knights to the aces man could you imagine if we had a good football team too professionally could you imagine and by the way in this whole monologue i didn't mention f1 i didn't mention the super bowl i didn't mention the flirtation and other comments that lebron made this week in las vegas which you can check out on the sporting tribune i know you see the socials all around the screen where he was asked by us why Vegas? 
why do you want to bring the NBA team here, which will be happening here shortly? And his answer was correct, because why wouldn't you? This is the sports capital of the world. I didn't even mention the baseball team that's coming. If it's not the A's, something's going to happen. I think it's going to be the A's. And it's very disgusting. And to be honest, people here in Las Vegas don't want the A's. Like, it's not that big of a deal. We already got too much going on. But hey, it's neither here nor there. It's the Sporting Tribune today. Thank you for listening to my agenda. And now we got to get to the weekend. Another big week in football. Another big weekend in college football. Arguably the biggest game in college football this weekend USC versus Notre Dame. And with that, let's kick off around the Tribune as we check in with Josh Fisher, our USC beat writer. This is the Sporting Tribune today. All right, Josh, a struggle slightly against ASU, a struggle against Arizona. Where are you with this team right now, man? Struggle with Colorado. Um, it's been a struggle, dude. The Pac-12, after they dominated Stanford, the, the, the Trojans have been struggling. And look... If they kick the field goal, they don't go to overtime last week. That was a huge snafu. Caleb probably had his worst game as a Trojan last week, at least throwing the ball for sure. Rice has been great. Um, but they have a really – a test that's, of course, very tough. You're going to South Bend and you're playing Notre Dame and you're playing one of the most veteran decorated quarterbacks in all of college football right now in Sam Hartman and a hungry coach in Marcus Freeman. But I don't think that team – that team is not where we thought it would be, the Fighting Irish. They, yeah. After they blew that game with Ohio State, they barely escaped Duke. Um, and then they lost to Louisville, who's a lot better than people thought, of course. Uh, I'm not saying they're this year's TCU, but you know the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are what people thought. So I still think this is a game the Trojans should win. Um, it's a game where they should put up 40-something points again, even though the, the, the fighting Irish defense should be one of the tougher defenses they faced. Um, and I like Alex Grinch a lot. He's, he is, when he talks to me, he is the nicest guy, and I'm really rooting for him. But they have a defensive problem. You can't, there's no other way to shake it, man. It doesn't and, make it just doesn't make sense. Sorry, but was with all the tackles for a loss, the sacks, like the pressure they put on, it just doesn't make sense. They can't get out of drives. And to, to your credit, like Lincoln Riley defended the defense um, this weekend and, and so this week, I should say. And he said exactly what you said. If they make the field goal kick, some of this talk doesn't go anywhere. But I'm like, yeah, but I watched the game and it was still a struggle, regardless of if he makes the kick or not. Mm-hmm. And not even defensively, kind of some of the some of the question marks and even like the weird thing with the press and taking away the guy's credential and then giving it back. Like, where are you um, with the head coach right now? Um, he's yeah, I'm I'm fine with the head coach. The head coach is the best, you know, is the best offensive mind arguably in college football. Like he is Lincoln True. Riley. Like it didn't, it, you know, it, it, I don't think it looks. Venables has done a really good job turning this OU program around, and I think people are starting to jump down Lincoln Riley's throats that for that, as if he didn't make multiple playoffs, would have multiple Heisman winners. Like his resume should speak for itself. I think the only trouble he could run into ultimately, like if, if this if this defense struggles again against Notre Dame, and then they have to go play Penix, they have to go play Bo Nix, like he is going to have to unfortunately answer for keeping coach for keeping Coach Grinch at the helm if he continues to struggle. Like you can't you can't fill the room with your boys. So Grinch has to deliver. Or, 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 or else, or else he has to be gone. It's just ultimately that's what it comes down to. Like, 
the USC Trojans put up the amount of like they put up against yeah, in triple overtime, but they put up forty three points. Like they, the offense yeah. by, and that was the worst Caleb Williams has played throwing the football we've ever seen. Like the offense has done its job every single game. Like forty one points to Arizona. Like come on, man. Like. Letting like, and the thing about Colorado is they let them back in that game. The thing yep. about Arizona State, they could have put them away. Like they could put these teams away, but this defense just lets teams back in the game. I mean, like, I, like I'm looking at the stat: eight tackles for a loss, three sacks. Like, like if you're the Trojans and you're giving up 41 points and you're getting to the quarterback like that, like you have to be kicking yourselves again, dude. Like Arizona State, 16 third down opportunities. You 16. That is so many. 18 against Colorado. That is so many. That is so many. Get off the field, man. Joshua, this is the first time on the show I feel like a therapist, and I'm just letting you talk it out because it's true. But I will say all the question marks and everything that's been said um, leading up to this game with Notre Dame, you win this game, you have an impressive showing. A lot of that talk goes away. So I need your prediction for Saturday night. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I don't this is the first time that the Trojans, I have to, I want to see, you know, I'm looking it up as we're going. I want to see what the line's moving to. Right. Um, and I may not get it in the amount of time we have allotted here. Uh, it's the first time the Trojans aren't favored, you know? So the, the Trojans are plus three right now against Notre Dame. Um, I'm trying to see most of the bets coming in from the public are on Notre Dame. So, which is what you'd like. Not a, not a, it's not like it's 70. It's 55% of the public right now is on, on Notre yeah. Dame. It's looking like, so that's what you want to see if you're a Trojans fan where people go in and go against that from a betting perspective. I think USC, I don't think this is where USC has their, their snafu. I think ultimately, with based on whatever I'm seeing right now from this team, I think ultimately their their demise comes in Eugene. Unfortunately, in November, I just can't uh, get be- I can't get behind them beating the Ducks on the road right now. And no matter what happens, Sporting Tribune, we got you covered. This man right here, Joshua Fisher, has you covered with all uh, the great content. And at some point, we're gonna get you on the show for a full interview. It's coming, I promise you. But as always, Josh, thank you so much for the time. Got you, brother. Anytime, anything. We'll catch you later. And hey, look, USC's defense is going through some things. Fans are frustrated, but I promise you this. I promise you that frustration is nowhere near the amount of frustration and sadness and pain and agony and defeat that Dodgers Nation is facing right now after getting eliminated and swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And before we bring in our Dodgers beat writer here at the Sporting Tribune, I just need to do one thing, which is laugh. My ass off. You guys did it again. That Mickey Mouse trophy you guys won doesn't count. Now I feel much better. I'm going to get off the therapy couch. Grant, you get in the therapy couch. Joining us, Grant Mona, our Dodgers beat writer here at the Sporting Tribune. Grant, how, how are you doing, friend? Uh, mentally, physically, uh, spiritually, not very well. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Adrian, you, you mentioned that Mickey Mouse title. Somebody uh, on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, they had the Dodgers World Series ring and they had a diamond tester to it. And that diamond tester was just going off because it was fraudulent. And you know what? I completely agree with that now. I didn't believe it before. I was like, oh, yeah, we got a title. 2020. Hey, who? we got a title. First one. Now it's looking a little bit more. It's looking even more fraudulent than I know you hate this. To we hate to bring this up, the Lakers bubble title. Um, 
But man, Dodger Nation, all across social media, I'm seeing people just the memes, the frustration, the anger, the radio in, in LA, local radio is just going crazy about this. But the thing is, Adrian, I don't know where do you go after this. Do you fire the manager? Do you wait, wait, replace wait, wait, players? Wait, wait, do you on. what Time do you out. do? Time out. Time out before we before we get into all of that. All right. Because all right. it's not just LA tuning in right now. And baseball is kind of a regional sport, and there's been chaos going on in the playoffs with all these 100-win teams struggling, and there's complaints, and we'll get to that here in a second. I just want to know what the hell happened when it comes to this series against Arizona and how this happened. Uh, it was the offense, Adrian. The offense didn't show up. Well, actually, I can point to a, plen- you know, a plethora of different things. Number one is the offense, because if you don't hit the baseball and you don't score runs, which is the main objective of a baseball, you don't win games. And the starting pitching can give up as many runs as they want. And with their 25.08 ERA that the starting pitching had, which if anyone knows baseball, that's not very good. With that ERA, you still won't win games. But if you can't score runs, you still won't win games either. So if you have a guy like Mookie Betts making 300 and whatever million dollars that he is, and you have Freddie Freeman making 162 million over six years, and they only go one for 21 combined in the entire series, it's not a recipe for success. It's not going to win. So yeah, Kershaw gave up six runs. Bobby Miller gave up three and Lance Lynn gave up four. But giving up three runs and four runs, you would expect a team to score four or five when they win 100 games in the regular season, right, Adrian? Doesn't that make sense to you? An 100-win season for the fourth consecutive full year, I know we're going to take out that 2020 year, as you love to do, four consecutive 100-win seasons and two back-to-back duds in the first round. This one, what I'll say this right now, Adrian. This one was worse than last year. You get swept by an 84-win team that you're out. The Dodgers have way more talent on paper. This uh, this Diamondbacks team played with passion, energy, fire, the want. Tori Lovello, the manager of the Diamondbacks, had these guys just playing with their head on fire. They looked like a team that just wanted it more. And that's, I think, what Dodger fans share with me is that that's the sentiment, is that the Dodger players don't have that want, that passion, that fire that other teams have. That's what happened to them last year, and that's what happened to them this year again. Hey, pal, you feel better? No, no, but I had to get it out (laughs) I had to get it out. Goodness man. gracious, that was a lot. And you know what? We'll go overtime here because it, it it matches the moment, right? Okay. So, um, after all of that, you kind of mentioned earlier before I cut you off that there's a lot of confusion. And look, man, the wound is still the wound's open. The stitches haven't even been applied. <laughs> They're not on the body. It's still bleeding. Okay, I get that, but. This is why you're here, and this is why you cover the team. So I'm just going to ask you, right now you're the GM, and as we head into the winters, we head into this offseason, what is the plan? How would you attack this? And also, one one thing, sorry, Clayton Kershaw, compiler. Please continue. Number one, I would change the manager. And I know that's there's a lot of pushback on that. I would get rid of Dave Roberts, number one. You don't win 10 division titles in 11 years and only win one COVID-shortened season title. You can't get away with it. If we switch the positions of him and, say, a Laker head coach, he would be gone after three years. This is a decade straight of him blowing it in the playoffs. That's number one. Number two, 
go after every starting pitching arm that you could possibly pay money for, load up the Brinks truck, open up the back and say, here's every piece of money that we have, Blake Snell, here's every piece of money that we have for an arm on the market, go get a good starting pitcher, a veteran arm. That's what I would do, number two. Number three, I would just instill a different philosophy. It's too analytical. It's too buddy-buddy. It's too business-like. You need an edge. You need toughness. You need that passion, that fire. And I know they brought in guys like Miguel Rojas. I know they brought in guys like Jason Hayward and Kike Hernandez. Fine, that's all great. They still didn't. Kike Hernandez did, and you know why he performed, Adrian? Is because he had passion. He had that fire in him. He was yelling in the dugout when he got that hit in Game Three. They need everyone to be like that. They need to have that 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 thing in their heart that says, "I don't care what we did in the years prior. I want it now. I want to go get that. Tie. I want a ring on my finger with the Dodgers, and I need to get players like that." That's why the Diamondbacks are good. That's why the Rangers are good. That's why the Astros are good. The Astros got caught for cheating. And after that, they said, we don't care. We're going to go win more. And that's the mentality that this team has to have. No more business-like. No more shaking hands. No more buddy-buddy. Let's go get it done. And the, it starts with the offseason. It really does. That's my three things. Damn. This is... I love this, man. You've, for the first time in my career, you're kind of leaving me speechless. And before we get you out of here, um, and I didn't mean to, you know, you're going through it this week, and I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to talk to you. Um, but I, I do want to ask you about the, the, the topic at large when it comes to baseball, which is the insertion of the wild card, which is now giving sure. some of these teams, um, mainly the 100-win teams, hello, Orioles, hello, Dodgers, Braves, mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of these, the Rays, some of these struggles and, and this format and like, where, where do you see that? Is it fair or not? Should they change it? I do think they should change it, but I should, I think they should change the NLDS. They shouldn't change the the super wild card round, whatever you want to call it nowadays. I know they have a bunch of different names for it. You make the NLDS seven games, not five. I mean, it's kind of a shame that these teams won 100 games over a five-month period, and they play a five-game series. And I, look, there's no excuses for any of these teams. The Orioles blew it. The Braves might blow it. The Dodgers blew it. The Rays choked. Whatever you want to say about it. It's great that you have more teams that ha- can compete for a playoff spot. That's why you see teams like the Diamondbacks and the Padres get in and make a run. And I think that's great for baseball. You need as many teams in the mix as possible. But when they get to that, that after that bye week that those one and two seeds have, I think a seven-game series should be their reward. You shouldn't go and have a five-game series where you, you know you lose the first two, and now basically the series over. When the Dodgers lost those first two, I think everyone was kind of on the road. We're like, okay, this, the series is kind of over because all they have to do is win one more. If it was a seven-game series, 2-0, okay, 3-0, fine. Yeah, you're in a deep hole. You're still not done yet. And the Dodgers have the talent to do it. The Braves have the talent to do it. The Orioles have the talent to do it. I think you should be rewarded with a seven-game series in the NLDS, not a five. And that's what the that's what the NBA did. The NBA said they had the five-game series in the first round, and teams are starting to, to catch up. And then they're like, hold on, that doesn't make any sense. Give them a seven. And I think that's what the MLB should do. And real quick, is this the most painful year, in your opinion, most painful disappointment of this past decade? I'd say, I wouldn't say that just because this was kind of a retool year anyways. You weren't supposed to win this many games. They were never supposed to win 100. And I know when you get to 100, you're supposed to win anyways. So that's why it hurts a lot. But I think 
2019 when they just were unbelievable and they lost to the Nationals in the NLDS. I think 2022 when they lost to the Padres, which was last year. That was the team. They had Trey Turner and Freddie and Mookie and all that. The pitching was healthy. That was probably more hurtful just because, first of all, it was the Padres, which hate us and we hate them. Uh, and second of all, it was just the talent disparity. Like, the, the winning disparity was just so immaculate. So I think 2022 and 2019 were. This year, yeah, it hurts. Every year hurts when you lose this early, but not as much as when you have such an elite team on paper like last year and in 2019. Mm. Good Lord. That's a lot of pain to go through as someone from Cleveland. <laughs> I can sympathize with you, but I'm also going to laugh. And you know uh, what? Before we go to break, um, just be sure to check out the Sporting Tribune. Of course, Grant is going to have a lot of work, um, not only on the Dodgers, but as we transition with the NBA season upon us, uh, he'll be talking some hoops, hella hoops. And coming up next here on the Sporting Tribune today, Mo Moten, NFL writer from Bleacher Report, Focuses on the Raiders, and that's exactly what we'll do. Raiders, Patriots, and McDaniels, Belichick reunion. It's a Sporting Tribune today. And coming up next here on the Sporting Tribune today, Mo Moten, NFL writer from Bleacher Report, focuses on the Raiders, and that's exactly what we'll do. Raiders, Patriots, and McDaniels, Belichick reunion. It's a Sporting Tribune today. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hey, it's the Sporting Tribune today, and I am so happy to bring in someone who I've worked closely with and still do to this day and bring him inside the Sporting Tribune universe in the Sporting Tribune today. A man who covers the NFL at large for Bleacher Report, Sports Not, a plethora of other entities as well, specifically one that I hold near and dear to my heart. It's a podcast called Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast that focuses on Raider Nation, which finally... They have some joy. There was a little bit to start the season, and then it's been a desert of sadness. Uh, a desert of sadness. Wait a minute. That would mean there'd be no sadness because it's a desert. Anyway, sometimes I'm not good with my words. Raider Nation is happy. Last Monday night, they pick up the W. Mo, welcome to the Sporting Tribune today. How are you? Doing pretty well at the Raiders W. It's been too long. Been way too long. I, I know half the fan base wants to tank for Khalid, but we're going to have to pump the brakes on that. We'll talk about that a little later, but good to join you at the Raiders W finally. No, I, I'm very excited. And since it is your first time here on the Sporting Tribune today, um, we're going to just have to talk about some things to get to know you. Um, and for this one, I usually like to go super random. But since you're in Brooklyn right now, and that is where you reside, New York, 
I need to ask you a question because we just finished a run here in Las Vegas this past week, which I believe I need to go triple check, but I believe it's the first time in ESPN history that ESPN broadcasted from Las Vegas for five straight days. It started Saturday with the UFC event, Sunday with the WNBA finals, Monday with Monday Night Football, Tuesday for the Golden Knights season opener as they raised the banner with their Stanley Cup trophy, and then Wednesday for game two of the WNBA finals. And it just, it filled my heart with joy because I love to push my agendas. And my agenda is Las Vegas is the sports capital of the world. Since you are in New York, the Mecca, with those 20 professional teams over there, I have to ask uh-huh. you, how do you feel about that? Respect to Vegas, respect to the landscape and the destination for what it is. Uh, but New York is always going to be the Mecca. I mean... Once the Knicks win their championship and hang their banner in, in the in the modern day, and are you going to scrunch up your face at that? that do you know more on phrase you just do, said? Do, do you know how many people are going to be happy for the Knicks? Can, can you say that about any other sporting franchise that the Knicks win? A lot of people would just be happy for the Knicks and not even be fans of the teams. That's how you know your sporting franchise is huge, and the Knicks haven't won very much in my lifetime. So there you go. But shout out to Vegas for for for. They're all def- definitely on the come up. They're definitely on the rise. If there was a most improved player award or a come up player of the year award, it would definitely be. It would definitely go to Vegas in terms of sports cities. Is San Francisco going to lose the game this year? They're definitely going to lose the game this year. I think we're past the whole undefeated season type of thing. We so happened to the Patriots a long time ago. I, I just. With the extra game added, it's hard to give your A game or A plus game for 17 games. Like it, it's not going to happen. I, I have San Francisco going to the Super Bowl, so I can definitely see them winning 14 games. But they're going to trip up somewhere. They're going to slip up somewhere. There are injuries. Debo sometimes can't stay healthy. Christian McCaffrey has a past injury history. I know he's balling now. Looks like MVP, but I think they go. They win 14, 15 games. Who is more at fault? Mac Jones, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, easily. Have you seen the Patriots draft record? They can't draft a wide receiver to save their jobs. I don't remember the last wide receiver the Patriots have drafted, and he actually worked out. I, I Look, Mac Jones hasn't been great, but we've seen Mac Jones play at a pretty good level with, under Josh McDaniels, who was an offensive coordinator in New England. So we've seen decent Mac Jones. There's, a, there's other reasons why he's taking steps back. Tell me. Adrian, tell me which Patriots wide receiver right now would be a starter on any other team in this league. Okay. Let me know. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me know. For 20 years, including with Tom Brady, the only wide receiver that was really of any, any, like, other than Tom Brady, like his first two, three years when he came in for Bledsoe, was Randy Moss. Like, ah, he made Edelman a Hall of Famer. And uh, what's boy that was in Miami, too? What's his name? Russ Walker. Uh, yeah, Wes Walker, like, come on, man. He kind of, you know what I'm saying? Some 7-Eleven employees really, really had it on and popping. So it's different. But I, I, I understand your point. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just weird to me, like the, like the bashing of Bill Belichick when, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I don't think that quarterback's that good. I don't think, like, I, I, I would be more upset at some of the people that he's hired to be coaches on that staff than the performance of some of his players. And, like, this man has been successful coaching all his all his life. Like the Browns were supposed to go to the Super Bowl the year that the team was moved to Baltimore. 
Like they were on Sports Illustrated. Like they were in the middle of a great season. Like if he did it in Cleveland, like let alone, I don't know, it's an odd thing. And of course, that's going to be the matchup next week for the Raiders um, with the reunion. And with that, let's dive into the Raiders fully here. Um, I was, as I mentioned that the Lakers were here in town, I was covering the Lakers and Nets game because LeBron James. Um, and I did not watch much of the game. So break it down and kind of what's your reaction with the Raiders winning? My two biggest takeaways. One, Josh McDaniels does not trust Jimmy Garoppolo on that offense. There was a moment in the uh, at the end of the second quarter going into halftime where Josh McDaniels could have called a timeout to give his offense more time to go down the field and score a touchdown or kick a closer field goal. They wound up settling for a long field goal, 50-plus yards. It was blocked. But they had to rush down the field. They had to clock it a couple of times because they didn't have a lot of time. They had 40, about 40-something seconds or 30-something seconds when they could have had like a minute and a half or more if he had called a timeout. So the fright was, the counterpoint was, I should say, he didn't want to give the Packers back the ball before halftime and give them a chance to score and possibly tie it up. Okay, but then in the, in the second half, late in the game, the Raiders have a chance. They're fourth, it's fourth and one. All they have to do is get one yard. They get the one yard. They win the football game. What does Joshua Daniels do? He kicks a 52-yard field goal, and what happens? It misses. Now, I know Daniel Carlson is Mr. Automatic. He wasn't in front of his family at Allegiant Stadium for some reason. As I said, the, the previous field goal was blocked. But you're kicking a 52-yard field goal, and you have this $100 million-plus offense, and you can't get one. You don't trust that $100 million-plus offense to get one yard to close a football game? To me, that's a problem. You got Josh Jacobs. You brought him back on a modified franchise tag that he's making close to $12 million. You have Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers is balling. I know the offensive line hasn't been playing great. Jimmy Garoppolo shaky. has more interceptions than touchdowns. But again, you have a $104 million-plus offense, and you don't trust that unit to get a single yard to win your football game. That's a problem. I would but- also... Go ahead. Really quick, the, I, I harped on the negative, but the positive is the defense hasn't allowed a touchdown, has allowed one touchdown in the last six quarters. Defense is playing very well right now. I just wanted to add one thing, too, is that not only not going for it on fourth and one with the fifth most expensive offense in the league, but if he makes that field goal, it's still a one-score game. So what did we exactly. do? It was exactly. You're going to need to hire professional Madden players to do some time management. <laughs> <laughs> rosters. I will die on that hill 100%. Um, and uh, for those that don't know, <laughs> I have this season when it comes to the Raiders, I'm very s- skeptical and I just, I don't see the vision. And that's probably the biggest thing on why I'm so skeptical because I don't see the vision on what the hell's going on when it comes to the Raiders. And as we look at the schedule, now that this one's out of the way and they're two and three next week, like we just said, New England's coming to town. Then they travel to Chicago. Chicago. Then Monday night football against the Lions. Of course, the Lions are balling out this season. And then the Giants come to town, which, you know, McDaniels and Garoppolo had a moment on the bench. Nowhere near as crazy as Brian Dable and Daniel Jones a few weeks ago. Um, so there's opportunity here, you know, to get some W's. But at the same time, like, how do I say this? The defense has been great, right? Three turnovers last night against against the Packers. But 
these teams aren't offensive juggernauts, and both of these teams, specifically the Packers and the Raiders on Monday night, were trying to give the game to each other. And somehow, some way, that touchdown pass that he was open, if he would have hit him in stride, that was underthrown, he was able to make the interception. I'm not trying to discredit a defense that had three turnovers after only forcing one this entire season. But it's just like, if we go and beat New England, which has been dominated. Bill Belichick, that was his first career home loss of 30 points or more. His first blowout home loss. They had a pathetic showing for the past two weeks. We know the drama and all the noise coming out of Boston. And I just asked you about Mac Jones and Bill Belichick and who deserves more blame. And is Bill Belichick getting fired? Like these are two teams in the Bears and New England that are dumpster fires. Even if they beat the Giants, which... You know, they, they, they haven't had the greatest season, but a couple of these games are playing tough and they're professional football players. And there's a lot of parity in this league. Like, even with all that, we still haven't played the Chiefs. We still got to play Miami. Like, it's just a Minnesota. Like, there's teams on here, even with Justin Jefferson going on the IR. Like, it's just like big picture wise. Again, what does it matter? They're not, they don't scale up against these teams. We could only score, we've only scored 17. Like, what's going on? We can't score points. I, I'll say this the way they're winning now, while the defense looks great, as you said, I agree. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable, even against bad teams, because even a bad team here or there will score 24 points. And if the Raiders can't score more than 18 the game, they're in big trouble. I, I would say, looking at the next few games, I expect the Raiders to go three, at least three and two in that stretch. But I'll say for the people, who are marking the Bears game as down as a W, be careful because Justin Fields has thrown for eight touchdowns and I believe just one interception in the last two games. I know it's against the Commanders and the Broncos and the Broncos are a dumpster fire, but don't don't sleep on Justin Fields. I had him improving this year and I think there's still room for him to improve for the remainder of the season. But as for the Raiders are concerned, they... I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's it, because the regression to me is, is the red flag. The offensive line is not blocking well, run blocking or pass blocking right now. They replaced uh, Jermaine Illuminar with their Mumford at right tackle last night against the, against the Packers or Monday night against the Packers. Uh, Greg Van Roten, the right guard, needs to be replaced, in my opinion. The Rays need to go out and get another guard if they want to get their run game going. Josh Jacobs, while he had his moments against the Packers, if they're still one-dimensional and as shaky as Jimmy Garoppolo is in the pocket, they're going to lose to bad teams because with that one-dimensional offense, all you had to do is sit back on your heels and say, we're going to let Jimmy Garoppolo beat us because we know if we force him to drive down the field 75 yards, he's prone to throwing an interception. And as I said, people wanted to say, oh, Jimmy G is a winner. Oh, he was in San Francisco. No, he was with a winning franchise. He was with a winning football team. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you separate him from that, he's a very low-end starting quarterback in this league. And I think people are seeing that right now. $33 million, by the way, $33.8 million, if we're correct. And I know that's a whole nother discussion because Derek Carr <laughs> was owed a massive bag as well. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you, you take a lower end. See, this is the polar opposite, right? The Lions went with Jared Goff and people were like, $20 million, that's crazy. And look at what's going on now. And I guess the Raiders were kind of thinking the same thing, a little bit more expensive with the 33 mil again with Garoppolo, but it's just not turning out that way. And the roster construction, I just, I don't see it. And very quickly before we get out of here, um, Devontae Adams, 
four catches, 44, uh, 45 yards uh, last game. I was asked about it at, at, at the end of the game and was said, hey, I get double teamed by every team in this league. That's how good I am. But you find a way to get the ball. And that goes for all great wide receivers that demand that attention. And Josh Jacobs obviously hasn't had the best season this year. And the offense period has been struggling. When you look at some of these key players, how do you think this frustration, if this season goes the way that we're saying it, because they just won and this has been a very negative tone, and in my opinion, rightfully so, how do you think this is going to play out when it comes to the locker room and the morale? I think at some point, if Jimmy Garoppolo keeps turning the ball over at the rate he's turning it over, you got to have to put out eight in O'Connell. I think, and, I, and it sounds weird to say a, a rookie fourth-round pick could kind of save the locker room, but I, I'm, I'm in New York, as you know. I've watched Zach Wilson let down the Jets' defense time after time. Now, I know the Jets' defense isn't as good as it was last year, but last year when I watched Zach Wilson and I watched the body language of that defense, you could tell the defense is thinking, Zach Wilson in that offense is going to let us down again. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is at that point right now, but when you turn the football over as much as he's turning it over, you kill the spirit of that of that team, and your defense is wondering, like, look, what do we have to do? How many how many extra possessions do we have to give you for you to score twenty points in a football game? So, if they don't score twenty points against the Patriots, Bears, Lions are tough. The Giants or the Jets defense is also tough. But if they don't score twenty points within these next five games multiple times, I think you start to give Jimmy Garoppolo the side eye. And you start to give the nod to Aiden O'Connell and say, hey, kid, get ready to lace him up because you might be starting soon. I can't help but laugh because it's just crazy. Help. It's crazy. <laughs> it's I mean, it because because it's true. Like, mm-hmm. it's true. And the coaching staff and, like, I mean, Josh McDaniel said that you go down one and four, things start to get very real, which is a little bit of a weird quote, too, by the way, because at one and three, Things are very real, or even two and three. Things are still very real, um, especially with some of the frustrations. But uh, for those listening on the radio, uh, we, we got to pay some bills, but we'll be right back with Mo Moten. Um, and for those still watching here on the Sporting Tribune today, Mo Moten joins us, NFL writer for Bleacher Report, host of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast that is fantastic, especially for our Raiders fans to go check that out. And uh, a couple other places as well that he'll get to plug before he gets out of here. Um, and uh, let's see, because I, I want to, I want, I, I need to throw some positivity in because they won the damn game, all right? They didn't lose it as much as they wanted to. Um, defense stepped up big, three turnovers. Uh, you, you mentioned it's not really sustainable, but was there any signs of life or things that you can point to to be like, okay, maybe Tyree Wilson or somebody? Is there something we can point to to be like, okay? Robert Spillane. I gave Robert Spillane a lot of criticism. Now, I know his interceptions weren't the most athletic interceptions where he's leaping up to snatch the ball out of a receiver's hands, but he had two picks, and one was straight into his chest. One was off of a tip uh, ball for Marcus Peters. Robert Spillane's been actually pretty decent. I thought he was going to wind up losing his job at some point to Amari Bernie, the rookie six-rounder, but it looks like Robert is going to be solid next to Divine Diablo. The other thing is Amik Robertson. How could we not? How could we ignore that? I, we talked about it before. Uh, underthrown ball, but he still made the play. Shortest guy on that defense makes the big play to seal the football game. I had Amik Robertson getting cut in the offseason. Turns out he's still hanging around, still making plays. Just remember, he was a ball hawk at Louisiana Tech, so you're starting to see a little bit of that. Nate Howes wasn't able to play on Monday. Amik Robertson steps in and steps up. 
But they got to get Max Crosby some help. And I think there was there was a report from Dan Rossini of the Athletics saying that the Reds are looking for a pass rusher. If the Reds can get a decent pass rusher opposite Max Crosby, because Malcolm Kuntz did get nicked up in the game, I think that defense could continue to take uh, steps forward under Patrick Graham. A lot of people wanted Patrick Graham ejected from the D coordinator's seat three, four games into the season. And it looks like it looks like his unit is starting to turn around again. Only one touchdown allowed in the last six quarters. And one of that and some of those quarters was against the Chargers seventh ranked scoring offense. I have a question. The Raiders trade for a defense, somebody on that defensive line to bulk it up. What are you willing to give up for that? Because like you're patching up a, a tire that's about to implode. <laughs> right or wrong? I- you're you're absolutely right. I, I, the first person that comes to mind is Hunter Renfro simply because they're not using him. Hunter Renfro is getting like what one or like two targets a game. If you're not going to use him, let him go and give him to a team that could use him and value a wide receiver and, and hopefully give you a pass rusher in return. The other guy with Dangle out there is Jermaine Illuminar. I've been a big supporter of Jermaine Illuminar, but as I said, they basically benched him for Thea Mumford on Monday night. So he could send him somewhere else where a team that needs patchwork help. On their offensive line, I know he's had his struggle against the top-tier edge rushers recently. But if another team thinks he can maybe play guard or be a best, better pass protector on the inside and sees value in him, patch it, package him with a third-round pick, patch Hunter Renfro with a third-round pick, and maybe you get a decent pass rusher. Maybe somebody like Carl Lawson with the New York Jets because he's been out of that rotation with their crowded defensive end position. Speaking of the Jets, uh, we'll close out with this one. Again, next week, host in New England. Then they travel to take on the Bears, the Lions. They got the Giants come to town. And then they make a trip to MetLife to take on those Jets. Uh, with that with that uh, uh, set of games here in the middle of the season, how do you see those playing out for the Raiders? As I said, I think at least, they have to go at least 3-2. and two. I mean, they, the Patriots... Lifeless. They've been they've been outscored. I think seventy two to three in that last two games. Oof. They should they 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 should beat the Patriots. The Patriots have no offensive life. I know that's funny coming from a guy who covers the Raiders, but the Patriots to me are worse. Uh, the Bears could be tricky. The Lions. I, I don't you know to say it, I don't expect the Raiders to compete with the Lions who are scoring a bunch of points. But the the Giants and the Jets. Again, I'm in New York, so I'm watching these teams week to week. The Raiders could beat both those teams. I say three and two when it's all said and done. The Jets got heart, though, man. Like they got heart. They fall for their coach. They, they do, for- but it, 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 they got Zach Wilson at quarterback. I I can't. I no. <laughs> And before we get out of here, much love again to Josh Fisher, Grant Mona, Bleacher Reports, Momo, and all for joining us as we get you ready for the weekend. USC versus Notre Dame. We will have coverage during the game and after NBA Finals. Excuse me, WNBA Finals. Game three, Aces could sweep the Liberty. So much for that super team in Brooklyn. That'll tip off on Sunday afternoon. We'll have full coverage of that. I said the NBA, they're getting ready to tip off the regular season. And we got a whole bunch of other things. I didn't even mention the NFL. We got you covered, though, during the games and after. Be sure to follow us at The Sporting Trib, T-R-I-B, on all social media platforms, TikTok, X, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're at, we're there too. Adrian Radio 93 on X, Heavyweight Radio on Instagram. And um, as always, be safe. Enjoy your Friday the 13th. Get spooky with your partner or a random stranger. 
consensually. I'm Adrian Hernandez, and this is the Sporting Tribune Today. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.